Um, long time ago, I bought an old pair of Dickie work jeans from Farm and Fleet. How many, anybody else wear Dickie work jeans? Nobody's going to admit it, are you? Uh, I love these Dickie work jeans. I'm serious. They, they, are, they are durable and they are relatively comfortable, but the coolest part is that they have pockets everywhere. I mean, what's not to love about that? What's not to love about pockets? Well, Lisa, come here for a second. Where are you at? Come here. Come here. Hey, Mark, would you turn on um, one of these mics? Does it matter which one? I'll, I'll just grab one. Lisa, come here. Everybody give Lisa a round of applause so she'll come up here. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> Testing, one, two. Okay. Come here, Lisa. I do not know. This, we, this was not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was, I was uh, thinking about my Dickie work jeans the other day. And I said to Lisa, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to Farm and Fleet and buy a couple more of these Dickie work jeans because I want to just start wearing them all the time. <laughs> to which Lisa responded, I can't really say how. <laughs> I said, no, Craig, please don't do that. Actually, what she said was, not over my dead body. So I explained. Craig, they're painter pants. You are not a painter. So I, I explained to her all the attributes of Dickie work pants. Now, wait a minute, I'm not done with you. So I explained to her all the attributes, and by that, after she had absorbed all of my wisdom, um, in essence, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in essence, what she said was this. She said, um, Craig, I understand why you like Dickie work pants. Um, and all those things that you described are worthy. Um, but then she basically said, those are the ugliest style pants I've ever seen in my life. So if you want to, if you want to give a pair of, another pair of Dickie work pants, go ahead, but you're not wearing them all the time. Is that true? Yes or no? That's pretty much true. All right. So in other words, my wife dresses me. Yes, I am a big baby. All right. It's not true. I've given up on so much stuff. <laughs> Gotta draw the line. <laughs> I, I wanted to share, I wanted to give you that insight into our relationship for a reason. <laughs> um, as you can tell, style is more important to some people than it is to others from that little story, right? Um, now, for, uh, but I want you to, I want to let you all in on a little secret about style. Um, for those of you who aren't quite as styling as I am, I need, you need to know that um, God doesn't care about style either, especially style of worship. Um, but that begs the question, if God doesn't care about style when it comes to worship, what does God care about? Well, the scripture that we're, I'm going to have you look at today, that we're going to kind of delve into together today, um, I think is going to answer the question for you. It's going to answer um, what God cares about with regards to worship. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to uh, Psalm 100, okay? And as you're doing that, um, I'll give you a little, uh, just a little runway as we move into it. Psalm 100, if you don't have your Bibles, take out your phones, use your phones, because um, you'll want to check me and make sure that I'm doing this right, okay? If you were able to watch worship online last week, you know we started, as Jesse alluded to earlier, 
we started a, um, a new sermon series on worship, what, what God's design for worship really is. And um, I mentioned last week that often the, the Psalms, I preached them from the book of Psalms last week as well, often the Psalms were written specifically for worship, to be used as part of the liturgy, if you will, uh, in, in worship. And Psalm 100 is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So let me, I'm just going to quote Psalm 100 for you. Uh, your Bibles may read it different, but this is how I, I learned Psalm 100. It goes like this. Shout to the Lord all the earth and come into his presence with joyful singing. For the Lord, he is God. He is the one that created us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Bless his holy name. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For the Lord, he is good. His love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, I think that is one of the most beautiful passages in the entire Bible. But as is the case with all passages in the Bible, it's not just beautiful. It is instructional. There's something, there are things in this passage in Psalm 100 that we need to learn. Because really, in essence, what God is doing in Psalm 100 is he is teaching us what our worship ought to look like and what it ought to consist of. What it, it, he's teaching us really the, the whys and the hows of worship. So what I want us to do this morning is take, just take a moment to um, kind of break that, um, that passage down. And we're going to focus on the whys of worship and the hows of worship according to Psalm 100. Let's start with the whys. Um, if you look at, the, at um, the very beginning of Psalm 100, you find the first why of worship. Why do we worship God? Because God is the creator. God's the one that created us. We didn't create ourselves. Now you may think that sounds silly, but the psalmist himself understood that we human beings have a tendency sometimes to think we created ourselves. That it's all about us. And we are being reminded that no, we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for God. God created us and he deserves to be praised because he created us. But there's more. Why do we worship God? We worship God because God is good. Now you might be thinking, well, that, that's, that's true, but there's a lot of good people out there. Does that mean we should worship everybody that is good? Well, here's the deal. Um, you, you probably do know a lot of good people. I hope you don't know a lot of good people. But if you know them well enough, all you have to do is get just a little bit below the surface and you soon, soon discover that, that they're not all that good. Because we are all sinners. All of us. Every single one of us. The only one that is good and is worthy to be worshipped is God. We worship God because God is the only good one among us. And he is worthy to be praised. We worship God because God is loving and faithful. Everyone and everything else in this world will let you down, literally. Your bank account will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your boss will let you down. Your children will let you down. You'll let yourself down. The only one that won't is your God. 
our God is worthy to be praised. Now, the whys of worship, um, something down deep inside all of us, we, we all kind of understand the why of worship. Why do we worship? And, and all those things, even if you've never articulated it the way we found here in Psalm 100, I think everybody down deep inside understands the whys. It's the, it's the hows that have been tripping people up with regard to worship for literally centuries now. I mentioned to you earlier that um, about style in worship, that most people think that the how of worship is all about style. But if you look at Psalm 100, you soon discover that the how really has nothing to do with style. Actually, if you look at Psalm 100, you soon discover that the, the how of worship can be summed up in one word. And it's attitude. I'll show you what I mean. The how of worship depends all on your attitude. One of the first things that it says, the first thing that Psalm 100 says, shout to the Lord all the earth. Basically what he's saying is that we need to come to worship with, with an attitude of exuberance and excitement. We have the privilege of getting to worship God. So how should we worship God? We should do it with, with, with excitement, with, with shouts of joy. And that leads us to the second how of worship. It says we should come to him with joyful singing. When we sing, God wants to, to he wants to hear our voices and, and he wants you, there to be a smile on your face. He doesn't really care whether it sounds good. We do. He just wants you to do it joyfully. That's what's important to God. That's how to worship. People sitting around with, with frowns on their face and, and monotone because they're not excited about being there, not joyful about being there. That's the kind of worship that God does not want. He doesn't care whether, whether it's, it's melodious. He just wants there to be joy. The last attitude is an attitude of thankfulness. It's all found there in Psalm 100. Oftentimes what happens when we come to worship, we um, find ourselves first dissatisfied because things aren't exactly the way we want. The music's too loud or it's too fast or it's too slow or the, the preacher was boring today. What God desires, and all that may be true by the way, but what God desires when it comes to an attitude of worship is one of thankfulness. So instead of, of focusing on the, the fact that things aren't the way you would prefer them, we should focus on that which we are thankful for. All that God has blessed us with and that we even have the privilege to gather in a place like this to even be concerned with style or preference. How do we worship God? With shouts of joy and exuberance, with joyful singing, and with a thankful heart. The hows and the whys of worship.
Several years ago, there were um, a group of Christians in the Des Moines area that together kind of felt a movement of the Holy Spirit. They felt that God was calling them to begin a, a um, Christian school in the inner city of Des Moines. Yes, we have inner cities in Iowa. Now, most people believe, and it's true, that the public school system in Iowa is excellent, and it is indeed excellent, but it's true also that um, po the populations of the inner cities oftentimes struggle to um, give their children a quality education. So there were these, these Christians that came together and decided that they, it was their call, it was their mission to begin a new school for inner city kids that, would, that they would receive a quality Christ-centered education to people, to families that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford something like that. And not long after that, an organization or a school called Joshua Christian Academy was born. And my beautiful wife, Lisa, who you just met a moment ago, was the first full-time teacher um, hired to be uh, a teacher at Joshua Christian Academy. In the first, was it just the first year or the second year too? Lisa was the only teacher for a couple of years, right? So she taught literally kindergarten through third grade, correct? Kindergarten through third grade, and it was, it was a modern day, one day, one room schoolhouse. It was pretty cool. It was hard. <laughs> Ask her about it. But uh, it was one of the most fulfilling experiences of her life and mine too, because I got to be a part of it. Well, as part of the rhythm of Joshua uh, Christian Academy, um, they would have a chapel time every week. And oftentimes I would get to go and be a part or get to be the speaker at their chapel time. Well, one day I went to, to chapel at Joshua Christian Academy and they said, Pastor, before you get up there to do your thing, we got something that we want to share with you, but most importantly with God. And all those kids, I don't know how many there were at that particular point because I can't remember what year it was, but there were probably 25, 30 kids. They all walked up front from the kindergarten all the way to the oldest and they began to quote from memory, mind you, kindergarten to third grade, Psalm 100. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Come into his presence with joyful singing. For the Lord, he is God. He is the one that created us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Bless his holy name. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For the Lord, he is good. His love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How many of you can do that? Kindergarten to third graders. Boom, boom, boom. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen or heard. I got goosebumps just remembering it right now. After chapel that day, there was a, a woman that volunteered at the school um, who actually had, had been working with the kids to teach them um, Psalm 100, and I, and I went to her after chapel, and I said, why that particular passage? Well, and a whole chapter? And she just looked at me, and she says, you know, Craig, I just figured that if they can get that right, the relationship that they have with Jesus for the rest of their lives will be healthy and strong 
in ways that right now they may never understand. And the more I thought about her explanation, I thought, man, she's right. Think about it. If you can learn to build the relationship that you have with Jesus on these principles of worship, on the fact that he's the one that created you, not you yourself, on the fact that, that he is good and the only really good one in the world and that he is loving and faithful. You can't go wrong. And then if you'll remember that how you are to worship, the attitude with which you are to approach a relationship with Jesus is supposed to be one of exuberance and, and joy and thankfulness. It lays a foundation for you and your relationship with him that nothing in this world could destroy. As I was thinking about that this week, something struck me. It struck me that, yes, that is the foundation upon which a healthy relationship with Jesus must be built. But I felt like the Holy Spirit laid on my heart that before you can begin building that healthy relationship, you first have to have a relationship. And I don't know if it was because, or if it is because someone is here today that has never made a commitment to Jesus as their Lord and Savior or not, but, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, if, you've, if there's anybody here today who has never, if you can't remember, or if, you've, if you know you've never done it, you've never asked Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, it's my privilege to pray with you today. In just a moment, I'm going to have the praise band go ahead and, and lead us, get up there and, and prepare to lead us in our final song. And if there's any of you who would like to pray that prayer of salvation, I'm going to be standing right over here and um, I would love to pray with any of you. Okay? Um, having said that, let me just say a little prayer as we move into worship. Lord, I, um, I pray that your spirit is moving. And I pray that as we conclude our worship here on this um, yard this morning, that we would remember that our lives are intended to be an act of worship. But for worship to be anything and everything it is meant to be, it must first begin with a relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.